0: So good. We, we love this day of the year and we feel like it's worthy to, to lean in. We feel like it's worthy to, to celebrate um, because the truth is none of us would be here if it wasn't for moms. Amen. So it should be a moment of thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts and in our spirits today to just pause for just a day and say, God, thank you for moms. Thank you for creating mothers and thank you for the motherly figures that have played a part in our lives. And I love all the different moms that were on display in the scriptures as that video was just narrating the different moms who have went before us in the scriptures that have led us to this point. And today what I want us to do is I want us to continue to look at the Bible and identify two moms that oftentimes don't get, get into the video, that don't make it onto the, the Sports Center Top Ten Playlist but are still making a difference in the faith, in the scriptures. And I want to invite you to turn with me, if you have a Bible, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to read the first few verses on display there. And so you might have to dust off the book 2 Timothy because we don't tend to spend enough time in this book. But I'll tell you what, it's a powerful letter by a pastor named Paul written to a spiritual son in the faith named Timothy, and we're going to learn from Timothy's life story and even his mom and grandma here today. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to 2 Timothy, and if you need one, go ahead and put your hand in the air like you just do care, so we can give you a Bible. We got a hard copy of God's Word here. We got a brother over here with his hand up, and anybody, we got somebody in the back with their hand up. We're going to walk you a Bible uh, right now, and we want you to flip with us and turn with us to the far right side of your Bible, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read some verses here today. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. eat. Well, let's eat. Come on, Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now as we get ready to eat from your word, we recognize, Lord, today, this is the day you've made. God, I'm glad we're not going backwards. God, I'm thankful that you're taking us forward. And you have a word from your word for us today. So Holy Spirit, come down into this room. And open the eyes of our hearts and minds to the gospel in a fresh way. And help us to be challenged and encouraged by this text of scripture in, in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Second Timothy chapter 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. If you're there, say, let's do, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. By the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Here's verse 5. This is where we're going to camp out for a little bit. Verse 5 says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Everybody say sincere. Sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Everybody say, dwells. dwells. Dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7 For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. Amen. Amen. This is God's word. I want to preach a message to you today from the subject that I'm titling Real Deal Faith. Real Deal Faith. Come on, somebody say Real Deal Faith with me. Come on, say Real Deal Faith. Real deal My prayer for Walk Church, for those who are engaging online, maybe you're a first time guest here. Well, don't stay a guest. Join into to friendship, join into family with us here at Walk. Uh, We want to pray that you would be a part of this family that has real deal faith. I'm not talking about perfect faith, but I'm talking about real deal faith. Amen. And I want to talk to you about what it means to have real deal faith, what it looks like to have real deal faith as we study and really put the magnifying glass for just a couple minutes on two women in the Bible, one named Eunice, the other named Lois. And here we see these ladies shouted out in Paul's letter to Timothy verse 5 he talks about it and he says I'm reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I'm sure dwells in you what does it look like to have real deal faith from these two mothers well the first point of the sermon today that I want us to take and then I want us to apply is this topic of sincere faith sincere faith I read this text and I felt like the Lord slowed me down and drew me into this phrase that these ladies were mothering with sincere faith. And I want to challenge everybody to live a life that is described with this phrase, sincere faith. Because, right, Paul could have said, he could have said in verse 5, I'm reminded of your faith, and that would have been cool, right? But this adjective, right, this adjective speaks a better word. This adjective that Paul uses, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first dwelt in your mother and then in her grandmother, and now I'm sure dwells in you. A a sincere faith. Let me define the word sincere for you here on the screen. Sincere is an adjective. It goes before a word to describe a word, and here's what the Oxford Dictionary says. The word sincere is free from pretense or deceit. Sincere means to proceed from a genuine feeling. It's marked by a, a genuine place. To be sincere is that there's no deceit in it. It's authentic. To be sincere means it's genuine and, in all caps, true. Come on, somebody say true. We're at Walk Church. We got to have a little bit of talk back, a little bit of feedback. Come on, it's not just a monologue. This is a dialogue. I need some help today. I'm talking about a sincere faith. And I believe as the Lord looks at this congregation here today, that he's panning the room saying, I don't want to just see if there's faith in the room. I want to see if there's genuine faith in the room. I want to see if there's some tested and tried and true faith in the room. Come on, not just some Sunday faith. I'm talking about some Tuesday at 2 p.m. faith. All right? I'm talking about some free from pretense or deceit faith, some sincere faith. I was studying this word sincere this past week, and I realized there was more that I needed to know about this word. The, the original word sincere comes from the Latin word sincere, and it's a, it's a word that is comprised of two different words, sin, which means without, sere, which means wax. Now somebody was like, hold up, I don't I missed, I missed that, you, you lost me on the wax part. Maybe you're here today, you're saying, why does the word sincere mean in its original definition, without wax? Well, if you do the history on where this word sincere came from, you'll realize in the ancient day, there was sculptors and painters and artists that made a living off of making these beautiful sculpted designs out of clay and paint and artistic to represent someone or something. A lot of the different sculptures in history and museums were were made by people who gave their lives to, to, to really leaning in and making these different sculptures. Well... In the day, if somebody was sculpting somebody or a specific person or it could be an animal or something, and along the way there was a miss, in other words, it left a crack inside of the sculpture, or on some part of it there was a defect, you were no longer able to sell that piece of sculpture at a high price. In fact, nobody would really want it at all, so what many sculptors would do is they would find wax... They would approach this thing that they were making, and then they would very delicately begin to patch up the cracks and smooth out the cracks in such a way that the only way you could actually see if it was a real or a fake was if you could find the wax lines in the sculpture. And so when a sculpture was presented, they would say, is this sincere? Is this without wax? Or is this the real deal? Is this the real deal thing, or is there a, Is this thing going to fall apart in about two weeks? Is this thing going to get bumped, and all of a sudden it's going to go crack? Or is this thing made with the real deal? Is it without wax? Is it sincere? Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of your without wax faith. Your sincere, genuine, true, without deceit faith. God is looking for some sincere faith in the room. That's not just going to make it for a season, but that's going to make it through a lifetime. Amen? I believe God wants us to have sincere faith, faith that goes beyond trial, goes beyond struggle. I think so often we have occasional faith. Anybody, talk, anybody with me? It's like, you know what? I, I tap into my faith component when I need it. In other words, I, if I don't, I just tap into myself. No, no. We need God. Amen? We need to lean into Him and His presence in a sincere way. I find that too often in our culture, we tend to hit the praying hashtag only when there's a bad circumstance. You know, if you go to Twitter, you'll find praying twending, trend, twending, trending, trending, <laughs> trending. Only when there's an earthquake. Only when there's a death. Only when there's a struggle. But come on, I, I want us to have sincere faith even before the bad moment happens, right? Come on, this is what Eunice and Lois lived out and demonstrated for their son and grandson, Timmy. I'm grateful for the sincere faith that is, is on display. And my prayer is that I would be described as somebody that has sincere faith without wax, that you would have sincere faith with, without wax. And this is what the author of Hebrews was was talking about when he writes in the Hall of Faith. If you get a chance, if you're ever bored one day and you're just looking to deepen your faith, go to Hebrews chapter 11 and just read that thing. You'll find all these different players in the game that went before you. You'll find Abraham who says God told him to go and not knowing where he was even going went by faith. You'll find Abraham's wife, Sarah, who was giving the prophetic word that she was going to have a baby and become a mother, first-time mom, at age 100. Come on. Somebody say, keep it 100, all right? And she laughed in her heart but had faith that it could happen, right? You'll find a guy named Daniel who was tossed into a den, doors locked, keys thrown away, and Daniel, by faith, went up to lions and shut their mouths. That takes some... Faith, amen? You'll find all types of different individuals that walked by faith. Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the author of Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God without faith. What type of faith? Sincere faith. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God rewards faith. God leans into faith. Faith. God is searching for faith, real deal faith, sincere faith. One of the greatest compliments I've heard about this church, our church, is when some individuals have came and said to me in passing. I try not to get offended. I just try to lean lean in and listen. Say, you know what, Pastor Hyden, this isn't really the biggest church. You know, we kind of meet in a cafeteria. Um, It's kind of a, you know, I'm saying. But at least it's sincere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try to listen to that part. I've heard some different people say, you know what, Pastor Iden? Like, I serve on the setup up and teardown team, and it is difficult, but I'm grateful that it's sincere. I'm grateful that there's an authenticity to the people in this room. Not everybody's perfect. In fact, not anybody's perfect. But we're sincere yeah. in our faith in the perfect one who's perfecting us. Day by day into His image, sincere. Uh, my wife Nina and I we had a moment this past week where we invited a couple in our church to just come over to our house. We we ate pizza and we had a great conversation. And while we were just sitting there at the table discussing, and all the kids were running around playing and bumping their heads and trying to figure it out, we were just, wait one second, hold on. Um, brother asked Nina, has just said, "Hey, Nina, can you just tell me? I'd love to hear your story. Like, how did you become a believer in Christ?" And it was so neat because it had been a while since I've heard Nina share her testimony. And we sat there and we listened and it was so neat. She just began to share about how she grew up here in Las Vegas and also in New York and then came back to Las Vegas and uh, she met this guy who was a basketball player. He went off to college and he got radically transformed by the gospel, came back and started a Bible study. We heard about the Bible study and we thought it definitely couldn't be sincere. And that guy's name was Hayden, all right? (laughs) I was like, that's where I came into the story. You didn't think it was sincere? Really? Right? But she was like, about three three hours later, after studying the Bible that whole time, we were like, this is almost too sincere. We got to go, right? And she just began sharing about how this Bible study impacted her life. I gave her a Bible. And Nina began to work her way through the New Testament, one book at a time. And we would talk on the phone in the nighttime, and we would talk about what God was speaking to us. And then one day, she just shared with me out of conviction, she said, you know, A lot of the reason why I read the Bible is just because I know I'm going to talk to you about it. Now, don't don't say, oh, that's really sweet, because that's not good. That's not sincere. For a moment, I was like, well, praise God. No, 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 wait, wait. I was in the way. And so we had to have some tough conversations in our later college years. And really, what the Lord had to do was remove me from her life because her motivation was off. And so she just began to share this all in the testimony time. She begins to talk through how she went through this period of transformation where Haydn was out the way, the world was getting out of the way, sin was getting out of the way, and her devotion to Jesus just became to him and to him alone. I remember being in Pennsylvania, I saw on Facebook, shout out to like 2009, right, uh, that there was a picture on my timeline of Nina getting baptized. And so I texted her and I said, hey, did you get baptized? And she said, yes, I did. And I said, well, praise the Lord, I'm coming back to Vegas. I'd love to take you to breakfast and hear about your story. We hadn't talked for a while, and I remember this moment, and Nina tells it so powerfully. I was like, man, that was deep. We went into this restaurant. I sat across the table with her, and for the first time, I felt like I'm sitting across from somebody new. It, at, one point, at one point, she was there because maybe this was about us. Now she was there because it was about him. And regardless of how I thought about her or regardless if there was ever anything happening with me and her, she was content because she was in Christ. She was content because her faith was no longer attached to me. It was attached to him. And for me, I was like, that's attractive right there. I want to get to know you better. Amen. And she talked about how she moved from this place of insincere. My faith is kind of more for somebody. I'm just kind of doing this for you to, I'm doing this because I love you, Lord. I, I want to know you, Lord. And that's when it clicked for her. And I want to encourage you today. Today, maybe you might say, you know, I don't, my faith kind of has a lot of wax in it. If you really look at me, I'm not the real deal. But maybe today would be a great day because there's so much grace in this space. It's like a waterfall of grace covering the room. Today's a great day to start and say, Lord, hey, Lord. Let me move the wax out and maybe just put your blood in that place, Jesus. Yeah. Cover all my cracks. Yeah. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And Lord, help me to have the sincerity that we're reading about in the text. Come on, real deal faith. Amen. Amen. Somebody say keep going. keep going. All right, no problem, no problem. Point number two that I want to introduce you to here is, is what I'm calling dwelling faith. Right? We talked about sincere faith. We see this mothering going on from Eunice and Lois. And there's also this idea of of dwelling faith. Look at verse 5 with me. Verse 5 in the text, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Paul says that this faith that we're describing is not just sincere, but it's also living. Let me give you the definition for the word dwell. Dwell, for something to to, to dwell or to be dwelling or to have dwelt means that it's, it's alive. That it's, it's lit to, for something to be dwelling, it means that that thing is living in or at a specific place. Can I just tell you where the place is? It's you. Yeah. Tap the person next to you and say, it's you. it's you. It's you. It's you. And now tap the person that just tapped you and say, You're the resident. You're the resident. Come on, type it in the chat. You're the resident. You're the resident. You're the specified place. Where is this faith supposed to dwell? Not just in a building. Come on. Tomorrow, this place is going to be a cafeteria. They're going to be serving pizza and all types of stuff, right? The faith that we're talking about is going to go with you. It's going to dwell in you. It's going to dwell through you. Faith that dwells. Sincere faith is faith that's alive. Faith that is in this space, in this place. It's Faith that's residing in you. Right, there was a moment in Eunice and Lois's life where they had to come to the realization that they needed faith in Jesus that was going to go beyond just a moment. I've met too many people along my journey, if I can just say this, that have had like a, a one night stand faith moment with Jesus. Am I allowed to say that? Right? You did like, hey, I had this moment where I received Jesus and then I left Jesus and went and did my own thing. But I, I look back to that moment, though, and that's not a dwelling faith. A dwelling faith says, no, no, no. I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and he's never left me. I've never, I've never went back. Even when I did try to go back, the Lord kept me. The Lord walked with me. The Lord strengthened me. He's dwelling in me. I'm no longer the same person. This is a sincere faith. It's a, it's a dwelling faith. We learn more about the story of Eunice and Lois. Just two brief snapshots. We catch them in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And then we also catch them in the book of Acts, chapter 16. If you have a Bible, come on, turn with me to Acts, chapter 16. The book of Acts is all about the action of the church on display. The apostle Paul is on the move. He's ministering. He's going from city to city, preaching the gospel, planting churches. Well, Acts, chapter 16, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. I want to talk to you about what happens in this moment as Paul goes to two new cities called Derby and Lystra. It says Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there. Who's this disciple? It's Timothy. Timothy. The disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. He had a good reputation. He was sincere. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him. And circumcised him. Somebody say, ouch. The Bible getting real on us. I mean, he was like a, he was like a, they, they think Timothy was like a mid-teenager right here. That's like real deal faith. Come on. And Paul did it. Paul, t- I would be like, Paul, I know you a good church planner, but put the knife away, man. Like, I don't know if I trust you with all that, Paul. He took him and circumcised him. Here's why. Because of the Jews who were in those places. For they knew that his father was a Greek. And so what happened is, right, because circumcision is such a big part of the Jewish faith and a part of the Old Testament, especially as a sign and a mark of those who are truly children of God, right? Paul was going to take young Timothy. He saw potential in him. He saw talent. He saw faith, sincere faith in him. But he would walk inside of a city or inside of a temple, and they would say, Paul, the homie that you're with, he's a Greek, which means he's not circumcised, which means you can come in, but he has to stay outside. And so Paul said, bro, I can't have you being a stumbling block. I can't have you slowing me down. And Timothy has sincere enough faith to say, all right, do it. Do it. They all knew that his father was a Greek they went on their way, Through let me get that next verse, if we can pull it up. Through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. They're carrying this new announcement and proclamation that happened in Acts 15. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. The church was strengthened and increased because of the dwelling faith that didn't start in Timothy, but started in his Jewish mother and his Jewish grandmother that believed the Lord and trusted Jesus as Savior, not by what they could do for him, but by the one who did it all in their place. They received Christ, and then they said, you know what? This faith is dwelling in me. It's going to dwell in you. It's going to dwell in you. And that's how we get to this moment where now churches are being planted in cities. They're being strengthened up, and they're increasing in numbers daily. I'm thankful for the faith that dwells thankful for the faith that is alive. I'm thankful that, that Timothy didn't say, all right, my mom believes this, but now it's about to get hard for me, and I think I'm going to check my faith at the door. I found too many teenagers in the culture that we live in today don't have the faith of a Timothy. They have faith that takes you like this far, but not enough to step off. Like, if that's going to cost me some followers, if that's going to make me not cool, or if it's going to cause me a little bit of pain, it's not for me. That's not dwelling faith. That's occasional faith. And I've found that it's easy to have faith on Sunday, and it's easy to have faith on Wednesday or on Thursday or whenever you gather with the saints, but I want to encourage you to have dwelling faith like Timothy had. Let me look at verses 1 through 5 one more time in Acts 16. Right, I mean, just think about this moment. I mean, this is real deal difficult stuff. I think it's difficult for a Jewish woman who's married to a Greek man. Circumstances are challenging. I want to just encourage you because there's a lot of circumstances like that in this church. Your marriage may not be perfect. In fact, it's not perfect. And that's okay. Amen. Neither was Lois and Eunice's marriage. In fact, we don't even know this man's name. We don't know what he did. We don't know if he ever became a believer. Some commentaries think that he may have been converted. Some commentaries think that he stayed a Gentile all of his life. Some commentaries think that he may have passed away from a a young age. But all that we know is we know of two women who were rocks, who had sincere faith and said, my faith is going to dwell in me. I read this quote recently from a, a Canadian theologian that really challenged me on the topic of sincerity and dwelling faith. Carl Rayner, he says it like this, the number one cause of atheism is Christians. I said, hold on, let me, wait wait a second. Those who proclaim him with their mouths and deny him with their actions is what a believing world finds unbelievable. I said, wait, excuse me, hold on a second. I don't like that quote. Here's what I know. Whether this is true or semi-true, there's some truth in it that friends, we need to live out our faith, active, sincere, dwelling faith. And I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit who promises to help us in our weaknesses. Today, you can approach the altar, you can approach Jesus, you can go home and pray before you go to sleep at night, and you can ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be authentic. Lord, help me to be genuine, Lord, help me to be sincere. Lord, don't help, don't let me just have an occasional faith where I need it uh, when I need it. But Lord, help me to have a real faith that goes the distance, that goes to, to the final round. Because Jesus is willing. I'm grateful that Jesus didn't tap out when you know when they approached Jesus with the nails in his hands. I wonder if he was. I'm glad he didn't go. You know what? Nails in reverse, right? Like, he, he could have did that, you know? Like, he had that type of power, but he, f- he finished the race. Amen. He finished the race. And, and he, Jesus, lives in us. Let me give you the third and final point. Come on, somebody say third. 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 Right? We talked about sincere faith. We talked about dwelling faith. I want to talk about gen- generation faith, multi-generational faith. Now, the faith that we're talking about and describing here is not hereditary. In other words, it's not like because Timothy was born to Eunice, who became a believer in Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, boom, Timothy's a believer. No, that's not the case. At some point, Timothy had to come to the realization that his mom's faith was the real deal. And he had to make that faith his own. Yeah. That he had to come to the realization, whether at a, at a young age or a teenage or an older age. Right, we believe t- Probably in his teenage years, Timothy had this moment where he realized, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and I have that savior in front of me, and his name is Jesus, and I have the decision to either receive him as my savior, or leave him and try to do it on my own. And Timothy decided, he made a great decision, he said, I'm going to receive Christ as my advocate, as my savior, as my Lord and King, and I'm going to see what he has for me. And praise God, God had big plans for him. It might have involved circumcision, but in his case, it was still a big plan, okay, generational faith that was passed down. Look at uh, 2 Timothy 1, one more time, verse 5. I just want you to see it in the text. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. Shout out to Lois. I love Lois. In fact, I was listening to uh, like an English um, preacher who was talking about Lois and he kept calling her Louis. It was kind of weird. He's it's like, it's like, your grandmother Louis. I, don't, I think it was Lois. I'm, going, I'm landing on Lois, all right? And your mother, Eunice. I like Eunice. Now Eunice. I don't know how to pronounce them, but I'm going with Eunice. And now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. It says, for this reason, I, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul is saying, I'm going to operate as a spiritual dad for you, Timothy. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to dedicate you. I'm going to call you to ministry. I'm going to call you to live this thing out. For God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power. That's that same dynamite, the Greek word dunamis. And love, that's the Greek word agape, unconditional love. And self-control. I don't know the Greek word for that, all right? But it's self-control, okay? That's what it means. Send the Greek questions to Pastor Mike. He's got you, all right? (laughs) Self-control means self-control, all right? And I'm grateful that this this faith, this real deal faith was passed down. I want to encourage you, parents, moms, dads, keep passing. Keep going. In fact, can I just say this? Keep leading. I'm grateful for what we just saw demonstrated. A whole stage full of parents saying, I'm dedicating my parenting to raising up the next round and waves of Timothy's. And I would even say today, in a challenging way, I'm going to challenge you, and I'm sure we have some teens and some students and some kids in the room here today. Parents, lead the way. Parents, model sincere faith. Parents, model dwelling faith. I'm not talking about perfect, but model repentance. Model a lifestyle that shows Jesus is real and active in your life. If your student or your child or your elementary kid says, you know what? I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to youth ministry. I don't want to go to the 412. And you come back and you say, well, hey, Pastor Hyden, I just don't want to force him. I'm just so glad that the times where my son said, I don't want to go to school. I didn't say, all right, well, I don't want to force him to go to school. All right, come on. Right? No, No, you need to go to school. You need to learn. I'm taking you. You live with me. I'm responsible for you. And I'm responsible for the decisions that you make. And I want to make sure I'm giving you every opportunity to know him. I'm, I've met too many passive parents that their kids are making decisions for them. And I'm challenging you parents. Don't be that type of leader. Be a sincere dwelling active. I make a decision leader. Yeah. And God will honor that. And God will honor that. And he'll go be for you. And I believe that one day, and I've heard this testimony over the years of ministry and church planning. I've heard this ministry, this testimony more times than not. I, did, I used to not want to go, but I'm so glad they took me anyway. Yeah. I'm so glad that I have a foundation of faith. I'm so glad that I had a space to call home. I'm so glad glad I had authentic leaders that were not perfect. They modeled forgiveness. They modeled apologies. The word I'm sorry should not be foreign. It should be regular. We're all fellow strugglers here in the room. Come on, right? But if we're sincere, we're without wax. And that's something that I think our city that has a fake, all types of fake New York, right? Come on, fake Paris, fake Luxor, fake pyramid, We do fake really well. Our city needs to see a real church. Our city needs to see a real church. Amen. And our city will see a real church if we live it out. Come on, let's pray. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song of response. But let's pray. Father, God, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this Mother's Day. Lord, I pray for every individual in the room right now. And God, I pray for all the moms, dads, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunties in the room. God, I pray that we would be described as people that are sincere in our faith, genuine, true. And people, God, that have dwelling faith, not just occasional faith, faith that lives in me. And faith that is generational. God, I pray that that the things you've put in my heart, even if I don't get to see them, I pray my kids get to see them. God, I'm praying for the children of Epaph. I'm praying that Asa would one day have a kid who comes to know you. It says, a good man stores away treasures for his children's children. God, help us to have multi-generational generosity, multi-generational faith. Help us to be the leaders that you've called us to be. Oh, God. In this short amount of time that you've given us, with all the breath that you've put in our lungs. Help us to build our lives on a foundation that matters. Not a foundation that's fleeting. Next year there'll be a new social media. Next year there'll be a new trend. God, thank you that you stay the same. Thank you that you'll be with us and you committed to be with us for all our days. Yes, I will. God, we give you our lives and our hearts and our minds. If there's anybody in the room today that needs to receive Jesus right now, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed right now, you can just say, yes, I'm ready. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life, if you're ready to have sincere faith in Him, on the count of three, would you just lift your hand, eyes closed, heads bowed. One, if you're ready to receive. Two, if you're ready to go all in three if you're ready to make that declaration go ahead and put your hand in the air just put your hand in the air, I'm ready I'm ready, I'm ready I see the different hands up, I see the different individuals making decisions right now God I pray for every individual saying yes Lord, yes I'm ready to be the woman that you've called me to be I'm ready to be the man that you've called me to be I give my sin to you and I receive your forgiveness, I receive your salvation, right now just pray with me just say Jesus, I'm ready save me Change me, rearrange me, call me, forgive me, love me. I receive it all. Fill me with your presence. I turn away from my sins and I'll follow you. Help me when I struggle. Strengthen me to get back up. Give me sincere faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank God for moving among us today? He's moving.